This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, April 29th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film news. I don't think there's any TV news today, so it's just going to be film news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on this podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Happy Friday, everyone. How's it going? It's Friday, Ryan. Yay. Uh, boo, I have a cold. So you might hear that in my voice. Uh, good news. Yeah, Peter just doesn't COVID, sound like so. Eeyore because he's in a bad mood. He's <laughs> yeah. Um, but we did just get some breaking news as we were about to go live on uh, this podcast. Actually, can you go live on a podcast? Well, yeah, as we began to start <laughs> recording this podcast, and that is, we have a release date changes in the uh, for Marvel Studios. Ryan, tell us about it. Yeah, so I mean, this like literally, I'm talking like two minutes before we started recording. So there's not a ton of information right now, but uh, the Marvels, which is the Captain Marvel sequel, and Ant Man and the Wasps Quantum Mania, which is Ant Man 3, um, have swapped release dates. Uh, so the Marvels uh, was originally scheduled to open on February 17th of next year, whereas Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania was scheduled for July 28th of next year. So those are swapping release dates now. So Ant-Man 3 will now come on February 17th, earlier in the year, whereas the Marvels, which again is the Captain Marvel sequel, which we'll see Miss Marvel joining the team, uh, will then get that prime summer July 28th release date. Um, Do you have any theories on why this could have happened? Uh, I don't think it signals anything bad or wrong. I think it probably means that neither movie, like, because Marvel has to sort of be careful about the order of things because of the universe. But my guess is that Ant-Man and the Wasp finished filming a while ago. And I think the Marvels is still filming filming or only wrapped recently. So my guess is that Ant-Man and the Wasp just is closer to done and they want to be able to give the Marvels more time to breathe. If I were to guess, yeah, uh, you know, and, and also the only other thing to consider is that, you know, Captain Marvel made over a billion dollars. And so, giving the sequel that prime summer release date might make a little bit of sense in in that respect as well. That like Ant-Man all due respect to those movies did not, is not a billion dollar franchise on its own yet. So, you know, that, that, that could, that could have played into it as well, but there you go. That's the big Marvel news for the day. Yeah. But with, with movies this big, like moving the release dates is not like as easy as like, let's just swap them because there's like merchandising tie-ins. There's, you know, uh, I'm sure there's like some kind of, 
chips that are going to have like Ant-Man on them and some like, you know, drinks that are going to have uh, the Marvels on them. So it's like swapping that requires a whole mess of things to to be changed. And especially with like, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the how things are working in this pandemic world in terms of like supply chain and stuff like that. Uh, that's very complex. So uh, I, I guess this is just my way of saying that, like, uh, you know, Marvel and Disney can't just do this like lightly and just be like, oh, yeah, swap them. Like it's 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 like a whole mess of a whole can of worms that you open up. No, uh, and again, that. that that's where I get to the idea they must have had a good reason to do it. And I feel like the best reason I can think is that like you don't want to rush the sequel to a billion dollar movie if you don't have to. Yeah. Um. And if like and if Peyton Reed can easily say, yeah, I can I can move up my timeline four months easier than you know the Marvels can, then I don't you know then like. Four months, is, I because yeah, you make a good point about the merchandising stuff, but I feel like you got to play the bigger game. Like, what's what's the what's what's the little worse? Is it maybe some products get out a little late, or is it that you you over you you rush a billion dollar sequel? For sure. Um, okay, let's talk. Uh, you know, since we're talking about box office and how much stuff is making, uh, one of the biggest films of all time at this point, Spider Man No Way Home. We have learned how much it actually not not gross pro, like uh, how much it gross but we've actually learned how much it actually has profited for the studios involved and I, I think this is very interesting Ryan tell us about it yeah so to be very clear here uh, studios are very cagey about this stuff but uh, the folks at Deadline did some did some digging in and, and math and and you know using the best math available and the best information available and, you know, through all of their channels, resources have determined that Spider-Man No Way Home ultimately made $610 million in profit. Um, and it, we, you know, at this point, it's made just shy of $1.9 billion worldwide at the box office. But in terms of actual profit going into people's pockets, we're looking at $610 million, uh, which is a lot. Um, so of that, uh, Disney will get 25% per the contract they have with Sony. Uh, so that means Disney Marvel Studios is going to see about $152 million, give or take, and the rest goes to Sony. Um, so that's 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 a lot of that's a lot of money. Um, <laughs> that's that's a lot of money. But I think the big takeaway for me here is this is a good illustration of, you know, I think people think that, you know, with movies. You know, if you see a movie makes $1.9 billion at the box office, you probably assume that the studio is, you know, walking away with like a billion dollars or more. And and this really illustrates that that is not the case. And this illustrates how genuinely difficult it is to make a lot of money with a blockbuster movie, because this is now the sixth highest or fifth or sixth highest grossing movie of all time. So this is, you know... This is at the top end of this is at the very top end. This is where you stand to make the very most money. So, you know, anything shy of this and you start, you know, you, you, it, the, 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 the amount of money you actually end up profiting is, is far less, which is interesting. Yeah, I remember years ago, like uh, there was some studio paperwork that got out, uh, I think, around like the first Harry Potter film. Is that correct? It was one of the Harry Potter films, and it, it was showing that the Harry Potter, like, that it had yet to turn a profit, which 
you know, because of studio accounting. Well, that's and, the thing is studio. Yeah. So that's the only thing is studio accounting. Like there's the thing that came out last year and I still like just want to throw things at a wall that like they were trying to claim that Bohemian Rhapsody, the Fox was anyway, the, the queen biopic, which made well over $900 million at the global box office against what I believe was a $58 million budget. And they were trying to say that the movie was still $50 million in the red. And like <laughs> at that point, at that point, like, if that's true, then why would anyone make any movie ever? Because if you can't make money from that, then why then? And, and, and at what use is cinema to to a business? Yeah. Uh, but so, you know, but then you start to see why Black Widow making only three hundred and seventy nine million dollars dollars worldwide. Even if you take Disney Plus into account, that's viewed as a gigantic disappointment because there's no way on a two hundred million dollar budget you're turning any profit with those returns. You know, so so, you know, the, the 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 image of blockbusters becomes far more clear. And really what this is in the modern age is that, you know, home video sales have dried up. So you're not going to make hundreds of millions from Blu-rays. You know, you're relying on streaming and cable rights and some international rights and what little you can get from VOD and what little you can get from Blu-ray sales as secondary markets. Now, with Marvel and stuff, there's obviously merchandise, but a lot of movies don't even have as much merchandising to capitalize from. So, you know, it's kind of it's it's you know, it's it's complicated. And, and you know, so, you know, people, you know, it's you do well to think about this stuff when you think about how you're voting with your dollars and how you're going to choose to see the movies you want to see. And in understanding that if you want art to exist of a certain kind, the economics of it are what they are, you know, so it, it, it yeah, that, that, that's to me what the most interesting illustration of this whole thing is. Was it in this piece that I learned how much Sony paid for the Spider-Man universe? Or was that a different piece on Slash Home? I think that was recently Variety ran a 20th anniversary piece for Spider-Man. Oh. And if I'm not mistaken, I saw them quoting, because it was like a couple million dollars outright, wasn't se it? It wasn't se all that seven much. $7 million in 1998. Yeah, right, $7 million right, outright, right. and, I think and they could, bought it. We, we could get some people together for $7 million, right? Like, we could find $7 million to buy Spider-Man. I mean, I, I don't have seven I, million dollars, but like, that doesn't seem like anything compared to. I, I literally <laughs> just not to tease some, not to tease something that's coming up here. But my tales from the box office this weekend is doing the twentieth anniversary of Spider Man, and you know, you're looking at a movie that kickstarted an eight billion dollar franchise. You know, so like, yeah, that's seven million dollars. But again, it's such a different time twenty years ago. Such a different time. You know, yeah. like th there was no indication then. But yeah, seven million. And also God, Marvel needed that money at that time. They were like, oh, they just desperately yeah. needed that money at that time from bankruptcy. But you got to look at like Disney now looking at like seven million dollars, like the amount of money and headaches they've got to deal with because they couldn't like, you know, because of that seven million dollars Sony spent all those years ago. And that you might look at go a quick down for Sony. Yeah, I was going to say that might go down as being one of the the best or worst deals in Hollywood history. I mean, it's one of the best one of the best maybe business deals ever. You know, because if you look at let's just do some real quick numbers real quick here. Uh because like okay, so 7 million you know, look and again, take inflation into account stuff. Sony didn't have as many big franchises back then. You know, 7 million is not inconsequential for 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 something you don't know is going to be able to to do anything. But let's look at 
to date, the Spider-Man movies have made $8.2 billion at the global box office against (laughs) $1.64 billion in production budgets. Uh, So you're looking at, what is that a factor of in terms of return on budget? Um, 8.2 divided by 1.64. About five times your production budgets over just raw box office dollars. And, you know, then again, merchandising and again, especially those earlier movies, Blu-ray sales and stuff were way better. So if you take in merchandising, home video sales, international rights, cable rights, all of that stuff that has come in over the years. I mean, that is just a gigantic one. Well, I I actually think Sony doesn't get the merchandising rights, which is why you don't see a lot of the um, you don't get to see a lot of Sony has a percentage. Sony gets a percentage. I believe it's a 50 50 split. Oh, is it 50-50? I thought it was like uh, much less than that. I believe but... it's a 50-50 split. I believe I, 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 uh. that might have been renegotiated at some point, but I believe the initial split was 50-50. But they do definitely get some of it because they're adding value to the merchant. So like there must be yeah. in that contract because if if Marvel and Disney are still getting all of the merchandising when Spider-Man, like let's say No Way Home out there right now makes one point you know there's no way that like they're not generating a lot of money in merchandise sales so there must be some merchandise in the contract yeah but but so so whatever the case that's seven million dollars is chump change compared to what sony's made over the years well this last week at cinemacon sony announced plans to further expand their corner of the marvel cinematic universe or i guess the spider verse we should call it and that is with a movie based on the comic book character El Muerto. Uh, did, do you know that character, Ryan? Uh, nobody, nobody who <laughs> reads comics. And I mean, and I mean, like, unless you are an absolute encyclopedia for everything that's ever happened in Spider-Man. Nobody Ryan, even the encyclopedia does not know this character. I looked right. up on the Marvel comic book database like that it's basically like wikipedia do you know what i mean it's like the yeah. wikipedia for marvel and it had an entry which just had a photo like an image and that's it yeah so so for people that do not know this this character has appeared in exactly two issues of spider-man and it was uh issue number six and seven of a book called friendly neighborhood spider-man that i believe was published in 2006 that is it this wasn't even in the main amazing spider-man or the main spider-man titles it was a spin-off spider-man title Two issues of it. That is it. So this is a weird choice. Yeah. So the character is a Latino superhero who also moonlights as a luchador, you know, a Mexican wrestler. and must overcome his fears in order to carry out his family's legacy. And he's going to be played by none other than Puerto Rican rapper Bad Bunny, which I, I don't have any. Uh, I, I don't know anything about Bad Bunny because I don't listen uh, to rap. But um, I'm guessing, Ryan, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a guess here. I'm guessing that Bad Bunny had a meeting over at Sony and he walked into the room and he was like, can I be in Spider-Man? And they're like, uh, well, we want we want to be in the Bad Bunny business. Um, <laughs> hold on. And they, they like looked at their thing and they're like, is there any Latino superheroes that Bad Bunny could play? And this was like on a list of like the, the characters they owned. I feel like that's what happened. It might have been close to that, but I will say there are a couple things I've learned in trying to figure out the logic here. Uh, <laughs> Bad Bunny is in Bullet Train, the movie we talked a lot about on the box office thing we did yeah. a couple weeks ago. Um, and I guess he 
you know, that's also a Sony movie. And I guess he was pretty impressive in that movie uh, in terms of like the, the Sony brass, like they really liked what they saw. Um, so there's that. So then they're like, yes, we want to be in the bad bunny business, but not just because he's a popular rapper, but because we sort of like what we saw. And look, plenty of musicians have turned out to be good actors. I don't necessarily like, I don't, that doesn't, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything like that. I'm just saying that I think that they wanted to make a movie with bad bunny and bad bunny wanted to make a a Spider-Man movie. And they're like, Oh, uh, there's a Latino character right here. (laughs) Right. And it's not just just that he's Latino, though. The other thing I found out, I'm not a big wrestling guy, but I guess he did a stint in, I don't remember if it was WWE or AW at whatever the other, yeah, AEW, All Elite Wrestling. I don't remember which one it was, but he did a stint in one of those, you know, major, and I guess he was also impressive in that. So then I think they were looking at like, I don't know if it was him, I don't know if it was Sony, but they were like, okay, Mm you know, we can, you impressed us in this action movie. You, you've done well in wrestling. What do you know? Two issues of this comic book. We happen to have a, you know, luchador wrestler you could play. So, you know, I can sort of see the pieces. Like it's an unfortunate, like, God, I just wish they didn't have that character. Cause like, like, because then I can easily see where the studio can say, we can draw these lines and make this make sense. But yeah. Boy, well, I don't know. Let's it's, let's play de- devil's advocate here, to... though. Like, I think maybe because they don't have source material, maybe that will give them the room to create something that like is cool. <laughs> I don't know. Not not to say this the source material isn't cool. Obviously, the Spider-Man source material is is great, but it gives them the creative freedom. I guess. To... Uh, I guess my thing is like. I love comic book movies and I love this stuff, but like, I think if you're at the point where you're only doing this just so you can loosely attach it to the Spider-Man brand and then essentially do something original within that anyway, like what you're taking away from the potential for genuine original cinema at that point, it just feels cynical to me. And it feels very like, come on guys, what are we doing? Like, you know, you've got like a lot more other slightly better known characters at least to work with. Like, this is a very cynical play to me. Like, I, I don't know. This was hard to get my head around. Like, of all the things they could have announced, and especially coming off of the disaster that Morbius was, when the lesson you just learned oh. is that people won't... You <laughs> Do you want to hear oh, something, Ryan? Do you want to hear... Um, I'd love to. Th- th- this has not been reported, and I have not confirmed this, so probably me saying this is probably irresponsible on my part. But I have heard that the people writing this movie are Matt Sazima and Burke Sharpless. Do you know like what they same wrote? Guys? Yes. The same guys? The same guys. Yes. Because they also wrote, I think one of their other credits was Gods of Egypt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever see Gods of Egypt? No, I have never seen it. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, but like, okay. It's, but like, man, uh, oh, By man, the way, like, I, yeah, I do so- know that for a fact. I have not confirmed that. And that's why we haven't reported it. But I have heard that. I've heard that those guys are the okay. ones writing this. Sony so, seems to really like them. I don't understand why. <laughs> you think Sony, after Morbius, they, they also wrote, like, yeah, yeah, because they also wrote something else too. They wrote, they wrote something else for them too. I think aren't they on the Madam Web movie? Madam maybe Web? I don't know. It just maybe they're doing. But anyway, but but I've noticed a pattern of like Sony seems to really like. 
are they just impressive in a room? Are they able to like deliver a pitch and people are like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I don't have anything of, of substance to say about this other than this is kind of like the, the, this, this is starting to seem like the end of the line for how far can we pull this superhero taffy? Um, like, like this is really starting to, to feel like, like we're getting there when like, we haven't had a good Superman movie in God knows how long. And like, you're doing this. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's weird. The, the other thing that comes to my mind and like, you know, I can't get outraged because I, we don't know who's writing this for a fact or whatever, but especially since there isn't source material here and you're basically kind of creating this character, you know, from scratch for the most part, why isn't there a Latino person writing this character but um yeah um you know, you know let's move on to our final story of today this is something that happened this week and came out of nowhere justin Wynn, the director of many of the fast and the furious movies has dr- yep. stepped away from fast 10 as it is in production like it's filming right now i believe it was a week or two into production and and uh and, and he backed out ryan what is going on here uh, yeah, so uh, Fast 10 or Fast X, if you will, much like Jason 10 was Jason X. Uh, um, Jason X also turned 20 this week. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, uh, it was the first reported by Deadline, but then all of the Fast and Furious official social media accounts uh, put out Justin Lin's statement, which is very interesting because this wasn't like Justin Lin's camp. It's like everyone at Universal and the Fast and Furious branding is trying to make this seem like it was amicable. So Justin Lin departed production after they started. Like, that's what's crazy is they were like a week and a half into filming and then he left. Um, Supposedly over vague creative differences. Um, Worth reading Justin Lin's statement here. Uh, With the support of Universal, I have made the difficult decision to step back as director of Fast X while remaining with the project as a producer. Over 10 years and five films, we have been able to shoot the best actors, best stunts, and the best damn car chases. On a personal note, as the child of Asian immigrants, I am proud of helping to build the most diverse franchise in movie history. I will forever be grateful to the amazing cast, crew, and studio for their support and for welcoming me into the Fast family. Now, the other thing to consider here is that Fast 10, Fast X is supposed to be a two-part finale to the main series, and I believe Justin Lin was supposed to direct both of them. Uh, Justin Lin is largely the guy that steered this franchise away from being a simple series of movies about street crooks that like to drive. Uh, He directed Tokyo Drift, most importantly, Fast and Furious, the fourth one that started The Curve, and then Fast 5 and Fast and Furious 6, which were the two that really turned it around. And then he also directed F9. So he has made Universal Pictures a lot of money. And and uh, and and this is strange. And it, uh, of note, it's costing Universal as much as a uh, million dollars a day just to sit in limbo. The second unit is attempting to direct some things while they wait for a replacement. But going to be hard to find a director to just come in and jump into this. Uh, that's got to work with, without saying any names, some big personalities here that might be challenging (laughs) is that why we think this happened do you think vin diesel vin diesel has gotten like a he's gotten a reputation of kind of um you know going head to head with some people i don't want to do any reckless speculation here i do not know vin diesel i don't know the only thing the only thing here's i'll say i'll i'll answer this with an anecdote that i'm aware of 
that <laughs> I remember when Bloodshot came out in the beginning of 2020. The Hollywood Reporter was supposed to have an interview with him. I believe it was the Hollywood Reporter. And the reporter, instead of writing up an interview piece, ended up writing a firsthand account of his experience waiting for Vin Diesel to give him an interview that never came. Oh, yeah, and I like, remember and this. Like accounting all of like what at the weird day that happened that resulted in him ended up not getting an interview with Vin Diesel that he was supposed to get. Um, I You know, then there's like the feud with Dwayne Johnson, and all I can say about that is Dwayne Johnson has been about as famous as you can be for about 20 years now, and you really don't ever hear a lick of bad said about him. Yeah, not at all. You don't really have directors leaving his projects. And at this point, if there was dirt to dig up on that guy, somebody would have dug it up already. <laughs> you know, like so so all I can say is the pieces moved around the board make it seem like there is a common thread of Yeah, yeah. A, a, you know, but not only that, okay, let's even take the Vin Diesel out of it. You're dealing with Charlize Theron, Jason Momoa, Brie Larson, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, all these gigantic you have a big, big movie with a big, big cast full of A-list stars. Not just any director can do that. So the crazy thing is to walk away. Like, I mean, Universal could sue him for, you know, I mean, how much well, does it cost them? Over a million dollars a day is my guess is there's no way they'll do that because again, they put out all those statements through the official Fast and Furious accounts. He's yeah. staying on as a producer. I think they want this to appear amicable. And my guess is Justin Lin had let them know way before he actually bailed. And was like, look, I'm going to give you some heads up here, but like, I'm not doing this. Like, you know, so like, cause like, cause like, I'm guessing, you know, because again, he's got a really good relationship with that studio and I'm guessing yeah. universal doesn't want to detonate that relationship for the future either. So like, as much as this sucks in the moment, they got to look at like talent, keeping talent is important. And like, you know, they don't want like Justin Lin to go make some overall deal with Netflix or something. They'd rather, they'd rather him direct something else for them if he can. You know, so like, so they'd probably rather preserve the relationship there. I just can't wait until like, you know, the tell all piece of what is going on behind the scenes during these movies comes out. Oh, because... I can't wait for that book. Yeah. Do you think uh, we're going to well, have to wait until a book or do you think like, you know, someone like Deadline will publish? Something? Yeah, we'll probably get something about like what happened and it'll be a lot of hearsay, but. Uh, do you have any thoughts on like, cause I, what I've seen, the one thing I've seen suggested is that it's probably going to have to be like an accomplished second unit director or not a big name because they're pretty much going to have to go studio mandate. You're going to have to jump right in. You're going to have to just be able to get things done. And so like, there's that, but I also think they're probably going to want, if they can get a bigger name on board, they will. Do you have any, do, have, has anyone occurred to you that might be able to step into this? Oh, I haven't even thought about this. I mean, Maybe like one of the John Wick guys. I well, don't know. The, they're both busy. Is the only they're both thing. busy. David yeah, Leach is, they're both busy. Because I looked at because that was my thing. Is that night I looked at who's available. Because like because the first two people you would go to are James Wan, but he's busy with you know uh, Aquaman and and uh, and the Lost Kingdom because he did Furious Seven. So of course you'd go to him. And F. Gary Gray, I had actually thought because he directed Fate of the Furious, but I yeah. didn't know he's busy filming a Netflix movie. So those are like the only other two guys really that, you know, like that that are familiar enough with the franchise. So they're off the table. So then who do you go to? Are you really going to take like a second unit director? That So my guess in is... In charge of like, this is going to be one of the biggest movies in Universal history. Right, but I think the problem is that 
any experienced director is going to want to come in and have some notes on the script and have some say. They don't have time for that because they're they're filming now. Like they've got to have someone that just comes in and you get going. You know, like and and what a list director is going to be okay with that? Yeah, I don't. I don't have an answer for you. So I had I had put together a small list on Twitter that night that like I I just was like oh I didn't see this. So I, I just just to throw this out there, I had some small thoughts on them. So I had originally included F. Gary Gray, not realizing he was filming a Netflix movie, because my whole point was like, here are some people that I see as realistic options like that might be available and that could do this. Jake Kasdan, who did the last two Jumanji movies, does not seem to be too busy right now. Ruben Fleischer, who directed Venom and Uncharted, might be available. Uh, J.A. Bayona, who filmed Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and the first two episodes of the Lord of the Rings series. Uh, John Turtletob, who directed The Meg and I believe The National uh, National Treasure. Uh, Brad Payton, who directed Rampage. And Patty Jenkins of Wonder Woman fame. Uh, they, they all seem like people who might be available enough to do this. Now, the only other name that came to mind after that was that Michael Bay has a good relationship with Universal Pictures. Michael Bay just finished Ambulance. Michael Bay could use a hit right now. Uh, I was just, I was just gonna suggest Michael Bay, and, but and like I, I feel like he's not the one to come in and shoot someone else's storyboarded movie. Do you? I mean, maybe like, not, but but if he wants to go blow stuff up good for a good payday real quick and get his name on a billion dollar blockbuster, it occurred yeah. to me. Like if Universal just backs up the money truck and you know, you know, and then it doesn't have to be two years of his life either. Michael Bay gets to go in shoot a movie. You know, like he doesn't have to do all the prep. You know, he can just I'm wondering if that at a stage. Do you think Vin Diesel and Michael Bay can work together? I actually think it would be like pure chaos. But like, I think I think Michael Bay Uh, wouldn't put up with it in a way that actually might make for just getting the movie done. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like there's like I agree with you that that would be challenging. But I also agree that like Universal at some point is probably going to have to sit down with Vin Diesel and be like, dude, you got to just you got to let this happen. Like, you know, whoever, whoever this next guy is, has got to stay. So like, you gotta, you gotta just make this work. You know, hey, if, if Michael Bay comes on and we get a Michael Bay fast and the furious movie, I, I'm, I'm game. I'm, I'm totally in. Well, and that was my thing with, from a marketing standpoint, right? Because if you want to sort of make this look better and you say, cause like the type of people that would get excited for a Michael Bay movie and the people that would get excited for a Fast and Furious movie, the Venn diagram of like what that does to your potential box office, like, you know, that's that, you know, that's because like, I mean, Jesus Christ, like if there's any if there's a guy that could probably go in and make this look good, you know, <laughs> like like because also the thing is, like, weirdly enough, the Fast and Furious movies totally suit what Michael Bay does, his tone, his style, like he could go in and direct the shit out of a Fast and Furious movie. It's weird to me that it hasn't come up before, but like, but yeah, I feel like. He might be, he might be the, do you have this person direct both of the movies or do you like have them direct this movie and then find someone for the second part? I think, I think, I think right now they're panicking and you, cause the thing is you're burning cash. And so you've got it. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money. So you got to get someone and you got to get someone now. And I think you go, okay, Uh, let's, let's take care of the business in front of a, in front of us first. And if, that goes well, then ideally you keep that person on, but like, you gotta, you gotta get through what you gotta get through right now first. Um, and I think like Ruben Fleischer is the guy that I look at on this whole list. Then I see there's a guy <sighs> that can seemingly just do these things. I'm look, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not going to get the best case scenario here. 
you're going to get Ruben Fleischer can do this stuff. He finally made the Uncharted movie and it made almost $400 million worldwide when I thought it was going to be the biggest flop of the year. You know, like he made Venom into an $800 million movie. He, he can handle these big movies. Like I, and I just don't think he's that busy right now. Like, I think he'd maybe like a break, but if Universal backs the money truck up, I don't know. Does he say no to that? I, 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 if I was him, I wouldn't, I mean, he's worked for like in much worse movies. Right. And like, and even like, but even, but I even look at like Patty Jenkins being able to be like, she's not Wonder Woman three doesn't seem to be coming up super fast just yet. And she doesn't seem, she's not like filming another movie right this second. Like I could see her getting like, cause like also Gal Gadot used to be in the movies and like, I could see her sort of like putting in Wait, a word I, I there. I thought the whole star Wars thing didn't happen because she was so busy with other things. Well, I don't know that, that there was a lot of like that, that seemed like a bit of an unclear situation, but, but again, yeah. you also got to look at the time commitment here. This movie's coming out in exactly a year, pretty much. So like, you're not, you're, it's not two years of your life. It's you go in, shoot the movie now, you know, maybe, you know, eight or 10 months and you're out, you know, like probably more or less like then you got to go do press or whatever. But like, I don't know. These are just the people I look at and I'm like, I think it's funny that you actually think this movie is coming out in a year. I I think they're pretty committed to not bailing on that release date if they don't have to, because the other thing is like not to not to keep rambling about this, but like you have Charlize Theron, Jason Momoa and Brie Larson, who all have other commitments on other big movies and franchises coming up. Yeah their schedules are what they are. If you miss this window, that's going to, that's going to cost you a lot more money. Like, and I mean a lot more money to have to accommodate that down the road. So they really need to try to make this work. And so that's why I think you just get a guy that can come in and and do it and shoot it and, and work with the second unit and just, and just grit your teeth, take a big paycheck, you know, like not the sexy choice, but the person <laughs> that can do it. Yeah. And you yeah. know, so Okay, you can read more of all these stories at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.slashfilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you on Monday, and hopefully my voice will be back to normal. Uh, Have a good weekend, everybody.